So Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 29, uh, we'll start off together. Uh, the Word of God says, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thine hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose, and the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord, then, and together, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the passage we read. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us to understand these vital truths about faith and how your activity in our lives is changed based on the level of our personal faith. And so we pray if there's one here today that's not sure they're saved, that today would be the day where they trust you with their soul, believing in your death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, those who are saved, we pray that our faith would be increased, we would better understand how you work with our faith and according to our faith. And Lord, that because of this, we would see your work increase in our lives and our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> and so the, the entire chapter in Matthew chapter 9, the Bible just gives us miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. This truly is a chapter of miracles. Uh, <clears throat> and it, these miracles are also powerful stories about faith. Now I'd like to take these accounts in the scripture here and weave them together to demonstrate one powerful truth that we all need to know. And that truth is found in verse 29. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Think about that. According to your faith, be it unto you. What an amazing promise. What a powerful truth. And I'm going to show you exactly what that means in a bit. But let me lay a foundation first. We would all agree that faith is fundamental to the Christian life. We believe in our Creator, though we did not see Him create. We believe in Jesus for salvation, though we did not see Him die on the cross. We believe He rose from the dead, 
though we were not there to see him on that first Sunday. The entire Christian life is based on faith. Now, as we've talked about in length, this faith is not a blind faith. God has given us a lot of evidence of why to believe he is who he said he is, and he does what he says he does, and that salvation is through Jesus Christ. Uh, Why do we believe? Well, think about this. God's living word is powerful, and the word of God reveals God, who he is, and his plan for mankind. We also believe because his Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. When we hear about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, the Holy Spirit draws us and convicts us and says, yes, that's right, you are a sinner. And yes, that's right, Jesus is the Savior. And yes, that's right, you need to be saved. And and so we have the Word of God that is powerful. We have the uh, Holy Spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit. And then we live in His universe. We live in God's creation that illustrates the truths found in the Word of God and born witness of by the Spirit. Folks, if you walk outside and you believe that's just some big cosmic accident, you're in a world of trouble. I don't care how many PhDs somebody has. To look at creation from the smallest molecule and how it's ordered to the largest expanse of space, and for you to believe that this is all just a product of mutations that happened over billions of years and it's all just some big cosmic accident and you're here for no reason, that takes more faith than just believing what God says. One man said, one scientist said, that it's more probable that an explosion in a print shop would create Noah Webster's Dictionary than that an explosion in the universe would give us everything we've seen. One man said an explosion in a junkyard that would leave behind a fully functional 747 airplane is more probable than an explosion happening in in the universe and we getting everything we have today. It takes more faith to believe in a world without God than it does to believe in a world with God. Our faith is not blind. It's substantiated. And it's wise. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So faith is foundational to the Christian life. We are born again through faith. And we are expected to live each day by faith. So the average Christian believes in the fundamentals of the faith. But he struggles to trust God in his everyday life. And this always frustrates me. You know, it frustrates me how I can trust God with my eternal soul, but I I struggle to trust him with my finances. I can trust God to take me to heaven someday and, and... uh, I, I won't have to go to hell because I believe in Jesus and believe uh, what, what God said, and I did what he said, but I, I won't trust him to guide and lead me. It just doesn't make any sense. So we're born again by faith, and God expects us to live by faith, and the Bible says three times, the just shall live by faith. Amen? 
Let me ask you a, a probing question. How much confidence do you have in God at this very moment? See, we've talked about faith is your personal is a personal measure of your confidence in God. So on a scale of zero, you don't trust God at all. To ten, you trust Him absolutely, completely. Rate your personal faith. I mean, right now, right now in this moment, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're facing. But I mean, just right now in your own heart, and be honest with yourself, we all know it should be a ten. But don't say eight just to make yourself feel better. Because sometimes it's a four. Sometimes it's lower. Sometimes it's higher. See, that, that sliding scale, our faith in God can change. And furthermore, we're complex creatures, so it's possible to completely trust God in one area of your life and not trust Him at all in another. That's how you can trust Him so thoroughly with your soul, but not with your marriage. You can trust Him so thoroughly to get you to heaven, but not to guide your life, not to protect you. And as we grow in grace, our faith increases in every area of life. And God doesn't have a problem challenging us to grow in a certain area, right? So whatever area you're not trusting God in, God challenges you today to increase your faith in that area. Trust me in that area. Uh, And as we talked about recently, faith is not something that happens to us. Faith is something that needs to be exercised. It's like a muscle that is moved with our will. We choose to trust God. To what degree are you relying on God? In what areas of your life do you trust Him? Do you trust God with your finances? You say, oh, preacher, things are tight. I know, but God's still alive. God's still alive. Uh, You can still be generous. You can still give. You can take care of your family. You might have to pray some extra things down. Uh, I praise God that that for my family this year, uh, we have seen direct and obvious answers to prayer in the area of our finances, and I'm thankful for that. Now, we got a long way to go. You know, I'm, I still got some things coming up that, that we don't know how to take care of. But that's how a lot of people are living right now. Amen. But we can trust God with our finances. Do you trust God to guide your life? Have you submitted to God and given God a blank check? God will do whatever you tell me to do. I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. See, some people won't do that because, well, what if he tells me to do something I don't want to do? Well, then you don't understand God. And you're not trusting him. God's not in the business of making you do things. Uh, Just to make you do them, he orders your life in a way that's best for you. Do you trust God in the decision of who to date? You know, it's possible young people today, man, they just look for the girl with the nicest hair, the guy with the biggest muscles, and if he treats me right, yeah, let's give it a shot. No, you need to trust God in who you date. Trust God in who you marry. It's easy to get married. Staying married is the tough part. Do you trust God with your marriage? I mean, some of you right now are going through desperate difficulties, not necessarily in this room, but on listening 
I guarantee you there's someone listening that is just going through desperate trials right now with their marriage, wondering if their marriage is even going to survive. Or perhaps it didn't. Perhaps separation and divorce has come and you're trying to raise a family on your own and take care of the kids by yourself and be mom and dad or dad and mom. I mean, these things happen, but you can trust God. Do you trust God with how to raise your children? Do you trust God to protect you? So you can't let fear rule you right now. Oh, the virus, the virus. I've got a hundred things I'm more afraid of than the virus. And the truth is, when it comes your time, it's going to be your time. And I don't believe you're going to die before that. I don't believe you're going to live a second longer. Those things are up to God. God gives life and God takes life. But see, we don't want to live in fear. The same God that's going to take you to heaven, He can protect your soul. He can certainly protect your life. And when our day comes to die, death is simply a doorway to heaven. And heaven's a real place. Twelve foundations of beautiful stones and streets like gold and, and gates of pearl and no sin, no sorrow, no darkness, no pain. Well, I'd hate to go there. No, it's going to be okay. I'm looking forward to going. Now, I don't want to take the next trip. You know, Lord, if you're listening, I'd, I'd like to not take the next train. I've got some things I'd like to do. My friend, we don't have to fear death for the Christian. Death is a doorway to glory. And so, as we grow in grace, our confidence in God grows more in each of these areas and even more that we didn't mention. Now, when we don't trust God, we begin to act outside of His Word, feeling like it's up to us to make things happen. And if we're not careful, we'll be like Abraham and Sarah, who God wasn't giving them the promised child in their time frame, so they decided they were going to do it themselves. And how did that work out? Never works out good when we try to step into the place of God and do what God promised to do. One might say, well, I would trust God more if I saw Him working more in my life. And my response to that would be, you will see God work more in your life when you trust Him more. See, the title of the sermon is According to Your Faith. And I'm going to show you from the Bible that although God is always working in everyone's life, God adjusts His activity in your life according to your faith. More faith equals more God. Less faith equals less of God's power in working in my life. And I'll show you that in the Scripture. Now, before we move on, we realize that there's two important questions when it comes to your personal faith in God, my personal faith in God. And the, the two questions are, do you believe God can, and do you believe God will do it for you? See, all of us should believe God can. Faith says God is able. Amen? Uh, our faith grows as we get to know God and His Word. So the more I know about God, the more I know God, then the more I understand He is capable of doing everything that I need done. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's impossible for me to imagine the capacity for God to work in my life. That's good news because God's able. In this in, in this chapter alone, 
We see that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, Jesus healed the sick. In verse 22, he healed the sick again. In verse 25, he raised the dead. In verse 28, he made the blind to see. And in verse 33, he cast out a devil. God is able. He's able to do what you need in your life. He's able to do what needs to be done. God can make a way when there is no way. You say, well, there's just no way this is going to work out. Well, good news, because God can make a way. He can build a road when there is no road. He can make the crooked paths straight. He can make the weak strong. The Bible is an unfolding revelation of God's power. Our faith has increased as we read it and believe it. So do we believe God can? Now, while we know that God can do anything, it's important for a wise man to understand what he can't do. Each one of us should know our limitations. For example, a wise man knows that he cannot save himself. It's impossible for you to go to heaven based on your own goodness and righteousness. It's impossible. Nothing about you or me impresses God. The truth is we're already sinners. That door is already closed. And even if you started right now at this very moment and were perfect from here on out, which is impossible, you still couldn't erase the sins that have already been committed. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that sin can be paid. And when we get saved, we're born again and God buries our sins in the deepest sea. He separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. We can't save ourselves. But there's many things in our lives that we can't do. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 26, If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Do you know what he's talking about when he says, if you can't do a little thing like that, then you're not going to be able to take care of everything else. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about making yourself taller. And how many of you believe that if you just chose to, you could make yourself five inches taller? Or 50 pounds lighter, amen, <laughs> or both. Yeah, we could do both of those things. And you, you, you say, no, that's impossible. Right, but God says that's the least. That's the least. If you can't do that, and in context, he's talking about clothing yourself and feeding yourself and shelter. But then he goes on to say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Right? And so we need to understand that there are things we can't do, but God has promised to do them. Watch this. Anytime you try to step into God's role and do what God says he's going to do, you're in trouble. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get angry and you're going to be disappointed. Because you're not God. Neither am I. So a wise man says, I understand what God's role is, and I understand what my role is. And let me encourage you this morning. Our role is to trust God in every area of our lives and to seek his face first. And the Bible says if you do those things, all the other things will be added unto you. But if you get those things out of order... 
then we're going to struggle. Amen? And so, do you believe God? Well, then the other question is, do you believe God will do it for you? Many Christians believe that God can do miracles, but they don't believe God will do it for them. Now, how many of you honestly, and just answer this in your own heart, how many of you you honestly have said, I know God could do this, but he's not going to do it for me? And the elements of, of powerful faith are, I believe God can do it, and I believe he will do it for me. And we see this in the, the, the story of the man full of leprosy. Hold your place here and look at Luke chapter 5. And look at verse 12. And it came to pass when he, Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. So here's the question for all of us. Lord, I know you could, but I'm not sure if you will. You ever felt that way? I know you could, but I'm not sure if you will. The leper said, you can if you will. And Jesus said, I will. And so our goal should be to look at God and say, I believe you can if you're willing. And I believe this would fulfill your will. I believe that this would be right and proper and good in your sight. And Jesus says, I will. Now here is the truth that, that we will learn in the scripture today. And I want to just take you line upon line and show you this. The Bible teaches that God matches his power to our faith. Let me say it this way. God's activity in our lives is dependent upon our personal faith. If you believe God can, you're right. If you believe God won't, you're right. Powerful faith says, I believe he can, and I believe he'll do it for me. Now, when we look through Matthew chapter 9, we see that each one of these miracles were activated by the faith put into God. God allows us to choose his level of activity in our lives. Now, let me make this plain. God is always working in your life regardless of your faith. There's always a level of God's activity. God is working in lost people's lives, and they don't even acknowledge he's there. So there's always a baseline level of God working in your life. But God says, if you choose to believe me, if you choose to exercise faith in me, I will increase my power to match your faith. Do you see how powerful this is? Cynicism is not from God. Though that's ah, always going to be bad. Every day is going to be bad. Everything's a problem. Nothing's ever going to work out right. Boy, this is terrible. And some people are more naturally cynical. Would you agree with that? Some people are more naturally cheerful. Oh, everything's going to be wonderful. You know, everything's going to be awesome. You know, and it's like, those people get annoying too, all right? So I'm annoyed by the, the cynic that everything's bad. I mean, somebody gets saved, yeah, but did they mean it, you know? Oh, look at the Bible, yeah, but I wish God said more. You know, you know it's, like, it's like, whoa, every, everything, there's a problem. But then some people, it's like 
you get punched in the face and it's like, oh, wow, that was such a good punch. Thank you so much. I mean, you're such you're so strong. It's amazing. And it's like, that's gross. You know that. So I, I try to stay away from either of those things. And the cynic says I'm just a realist. But there's a difference between being honest and being cynical. Amen. And when we get pessimistic, the devil's already won a battle. Because if you believe God's not going to work in your life, you're right. But if you believe God's going to work in your life, you're right. And so we're talking about this idea according to your faith. Let me give you three thoughts this morning on this subject, and we'll look in this scripture, and I want to show you some things that I think are, are pretty awesome. All right, number one, God's power is unleashed by faith. Do you agree with that? God's power is unleashed by faith. You're saved by faith. So God's saving power is released when someone exercises faith in the gospel. The power is there all the time. The power could save them any time, but it's not released until faith is exercised. In Matthew chapter 9, God gives us examples of Christ's healing power. In every case, His power was released in response to faith. Now, we've said this often, but I don't want you to miss it. Faith is the currency of God's kingdom. Faith moves the hand of God. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 28. When the blind man asked to be healed, our Lord asked him a powerful question. All right, so verse 28 and when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Now watch this. Remember the two questions we ask? Is God able, and will God do it for me? Here's the able part. Jesus asked them, Do you think I'm able to heal you? And they said, Yea, Lord. In verse 29, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you, verse 30, And their eyes were open. So Jesus's healing power was unleashed in response to their faith. I believe that if if they had said, no, we don't believe you're able to heal us, then Jesus wouldn't have healed them. Their simple faith moved Jesus to action. And then he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. I think that as God's people, we need to stop worrying whether or not we have enough faith and just exercise the faith we have. How much faith does it take to move a mountain? It's a grain of a mustard seed. Well, apparently we don't have that much faith. Right? So it must take an awful small amount of faith to save a soul. It must take an awful small amount of faith to move the hand of God. And in this scenario, these men just simply said, Yea, Lord, do you believe I'm able? Yes. And Jesus said, That's enough for me. And so we can stop worrying about if we have enough faith. And you'll find when you step out on faith, you'll find when you trust God that it was enough faith. We see the same powerful principle on display in Matthew chapter 8. Look at Matthew chapter 8 and verse 13 in this story of the centurion. 
We won't look at the whole story. We might mention it more later. Uh, Jesus said, verse 13, Matthew 8, 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. So we see that faith released the healing power of God. Uh, Christ healed the blind man because of their faith. Christ healed the centurion servant because of his faith. And God works in your life because of your faith. God works in my life because of my faith. Faith unleashes the power of God. We also see in the scripture that unbelief or a lack of faith limits the power of God. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Jesus was healing people all over the region. Uh, This was the first time he was returning to his hometown after beginning his ministry. And I'm sure that Christ hoped to do mighty works there. Perhaps he even had certain people in his heart and mind that he wanted to help, situations that he wanted to, to show his power. I mean, this was the town he grew up in. But rather than accept his miraculous power, his hometown was offended at his power. Look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 54. And what a sad story. Verse 54, And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? So they they were astonished. And look what verse 55, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? See, they knew him and they were offended. The truth is, more than anybody, they should have been the first to receive him as Savior. They saw his perfection. They witnessed that this young man was different than all the other children. They watched him grow up as a teenager and never go through a rebellious streak, never talk back, never uh, embarrass the family. Out of all the places Jesus went, these should have been the ones that said, Now it makes sense. Now I understand. You're the Christ. But no, instead, the Bible says they were offended. And look at verse 57. And they were offended in him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. You know, if we're not careful, familiarity breeds contempt. You can be married to a wonderful person, and everybody else thinks they're wonderful, but you don't. You can have wonderful parents, and everybody else thinks they're so awesome. There are kids that would love to have your parents, but you don't appreciate them. Churches have pastors all over America, and they can go to other places, and people are blessed, but their own church says, man, we need to get this guy out of here and get somebody else. If, if we're not careful, familiarity breeds contempt. We miss the greatness of the people around us. And here they missed Jesus Christ. They were offended at him, and I'll tell you today, people are still offended at Jesus. You know, People don't mind you talking about God, just don't tell them who God is. One man was talking to a preacher on the phone. He said they've got a bumper sticker that says, 
in God we trust, and His name is Jesus. Well, I don't mind you talking about God, but I'm talking about Jesus. People are still offended at Christ. Hey, I'm not offended at Jesus. I love Jesus. And we all should. But look what he says in verse 58, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He worked in the town next door. He worked all over the region. But he didn't work there. Why? Because their unbelief tied the hands of the Son of God. God has decided that he's going to work in accordance to our faith. If we believe, God works. If we don't believe, God doesn't work. We see the same doctrine played out in Matthew chapter 17. The disciples couldn't heal someone and Jesus came and healed them and they asked why. In Matthew 17, 20, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. I wonder how often we're hindered because of our unbelief. I wonder if sometimes God doesn't do more in our lives because of our unbelief or God doesn't do more in our church because of our unbelief. You know, some churches say, well, nobody's getting saved today. And you know what? Those churches aren't seeing anybody saved. Other churches say, I believe there's still people out there getting saved. And you know what? Those churches see people saved. Our our are you right now unleashing the power of God through faith? Or have you tied the hands of the Almighty? And God says, I can't work in that situation because you don't trust me. I can't work in that situation because you don't believe. I can or I will. All right, so number one, God's power is unleashed by faith. Number two, God's power is directed by faith. We all agree God has unlimited power. And our faith targets God's power on a specific item. Look at Matthew chapter 9. And let's begin looking through this chapter here. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2. And behold, they brought uh, to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now other gospels give a little bit more information this man was sick. He had four friends that wanted him to be healed. They came to find Jesus. The, they couldn't even get in the house because the house was filled and people were outside. Well, these men went up on the roof that in a lot of those Middle Eastern homes, the roof was almost like the front porch. It was like a, an outdoor living area. They go up on the roof, break a hole through the roof, through the ceiling, big enough to lower their man down, their friend down. The guys stay on the roof. They use ropes or whatever to lower him down in front of Jesus. And you can imagine, this took a little bit of time. And the crowd watching, and Jesus stopped as the hole breaks through, and the man starts coming down. I bet people were thinking, what's going on? And Jesus healed the sick person, not because of the sick person's faith, but because of the faith of those who brought the sick person to Jesus. <clears throat> The friend's faith pointed God's power at the sick person. Jesus is in the room with unlimited power, 
But faith was like a targeting system that pointed God there and said, God, we're asking you to work here. We believe you can do this. And Jesus said, you're right, I can. And this is a wonderful truth that God will work in other people's lives because of your faith. Through believing prayer, we can direct God to work in the lives of others. Through believing ministry, the Almighty will insert Himself into situations as we direct Him. Boy, do we utilize that power. Do we understand the power of our faith being directed at another person or another situation? God's power is directed by faith. Just as a targeting system will guide a a payload of a missile or a bomb to a specific target, our faith directs God's unlimited power to people and situations. That's an encouraging thought. God's power is directed by faith. Look at verse 21, Matthew chapter 9, verse 21. Here we see the woman with an issue of blood. We'll just look at one verse. For she saith within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now here's a lady that, for some reason, she got this idea that, boy, if I could just touch Jesus' clothes, I would be healed. Twelve years sickness, gone to every doctor that they could, spent every dime they had. But she honestly believed that if she could just touch Jesus, not touch him, even touch his clothes, that he would be healed, or she would be healed. And you know what? She was right. Now, there was no special power in the garments of Jesus. The truth is, many people were touching Jesus. They just weren't touching him with her faith. Look at Luke chapter 8. Hold your place here and look at Luke chapter 8. Again, this gospel gives us a a little bit more information about this account. And this helps us to understand that the power and how faith directed the power of God to her while others were around her wanting Jesus' help, but they didn't receive it. Luke chapter 8 and verse 42. The Bible says, And behold, there, excuse me, for he had, now look at verse 43. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press me, or press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Now, wait a minute, look at me. The words thronged and pressed means Jesus was being touched by a lot of people. They're all like he's walking through the crowd and they're all just trying to touch him and get his attention. Some in the crowd believed if I could get Jesus to look at me, maybe I could be healed. If I could get Jesus to touch me, I could be healed. If I could get Jesus to come home and see my daughter, my son, my wife, my husband, they could be healed. But there was one woman in the crowd that said, I believe that if I just touch him, I can be healed. And she was right. And he said, who touched me? And they said, Lord, there's a lot of people touching you. Why are you asking us who touched you? But then look what Jesus said 
in the next verse, verse 46, And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out of me. He said, No, somebody touched me with the touch of faith. It was a different touch. And see, the power of God was directed to this lady because of her faith. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, we read that blind men were healed. Think about this. How many blind people had our Lord walked past during His ministry? How many blind people had been in the presence of Jesus, but they didn't have the faith to seek the Savior and request to be healed. See, their faith directed God's power to them. And so we've said that faith unleashes God's power. And number two, faith directs God's power. Now I ask you today, what areas of your life need need God's attention? Who in your life do you know that needs God's attention? And just as you grab a steering wheel to guide a 3,000-pound car, you can use your faith to direct the power of God at a situation. Now, you can't make God do things. God is sovereign. And God won't always do what you want Him to do, but He will work in response to our faith. A small rudder guides a large ship, and a small amount of sincere faith can move mountains. It's time we stop doubting and start trusting. and We start directing the attention and power and working of God into other people. Let me say lastly, God's power is according to your faith. And this is the astonishing truth to me. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, we read it already. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. What does it mean, according to your faith? When you look up the word according, it means to make agree or adjust one thing to another. To make agree or to adjust one thing to another. Think about tuning a piano. Twice a year we have someone come in and they tune the piano and so they'll have uh, a tune that they want to get that on it's on a specific frequency and then they'll make all the keys of the piano tune to the standard if you have two instruments they will tune them to the standard and then to each other bringing them into a chord watch this Jesus says, I will work according to your faith. What does that mean? I will adjust my power to your faith. I will make my power agree with your faith. So God's got limitless power, and we have a little bit of faith. And God says, okay, I'm going to bring down my working. I'm going to bring down my power to agree with how much you trust me. You increase your faith, and God says, I will make my power agree with your faith. I have more faith, agree, more faith, agree. The wonderful thing is God never runs out of power. So the more faith we're able to exercise, the greater His working in our lives can be. 
God adjusts his unlimited power to agree with our faith. Now, we see this principle again working throughout the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 13, which we read, As ye have believed, so be it done unto thee. What does that mean? The word as means like, even, or similar. He's saying the same thing. I'm going to make my power like your faith. I'm going to make my power even with your faith. As ye have believed, so be it. Much faith equals much power. Little faith equals little power. God uses our faith as the measurement of how much he works in our lives and circumstances. Folks, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. Let me show you this one more time in the stories that we looked at, and then we'll go to the house. In Matthew chapter 9, in verses 1 and 2, we see that some believed that one must be in the presence of Jesus with his full attention to receive healing. They literally broke the house down to get to Jesus. But they believe that you must be in his presence and have his attention, and then Jesus can help. And you know what? They were right. In verse 18, we see that one man believed that Christ would come and touch his daughter, that she would be healed. And he was right. In verse 21, we see the lady believe that if you could just touch Jesus' clothes, you could be healed. And she was right. In verses 27 and 28, we see two blind men believed that if they yelled loud enough, long enough, Christ would heal them. They were right. You see how God in each situation says, I will work according to your life, or I will work in your life according to how you believe. You think I've got to touch you? That's how it'll work. You think you have to touch me? That's how it'll work. But then there's an astonishing portion of Scripture that I want to show you here as we end. Look at Matthew chapter 8. We were here briefly about the centurion. A fantastic account in the Scripture. Matthew chapter 8, look at verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Isn't that wonderful? You see the generosity of Christ? By the way, this speaks to God wants to work in your life. You say, well, I know God can, but, but I don't think he will. No, God wants to work in your life. He's very quick to say, okay, I'll work in your life. What do you need? Tell me what you want. Now, you may not give you what you want because you may not be in tune with him. That's why we've been talking about prayer on Wednesday nights. Praying according to the will of God is so important. We get in tune with God, but God wants to work. And Jesus generously says, okay, I'll come heal him. But look what the centurion said in verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And nobody had ever said this before. Jesus had never healed someone 
that we know of in the Scripture from a distance. Because most people believed Jesus had to be present. Now maybe He'll spit on the dirt and make clay and put it in your eyes. Maybe He'll just touch you. Maybe He'll grab your hand and lift you up. But He has to be there. But here's a man who said, No, no, I believe that you can heal my servant without ever even coming to my house. Why? He goes on to explain he understands authority. He said, I'm a centurion. I have people under me. They do what I tell them. And I know who you are, and I believe that the world functions like you say. And so all you have to do is speak. And the crowd, I imagine them falling silent. Look at verse 10, the response of Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he, what's the next word? He marveled. He was astonished. Whoa! Surprised. And he said unto them that followed, so he, Jesus used this as a teaching moment, and he stops talking to the centurion, he begins talking to those that were following him, and he says, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Skip down to verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And the servant was healed in the selfsame hour. That's powerful. See, the centurion said, My faith is so strong that you don't even have to show up if you just speak the word. And God's power adjusted to be in accord with the centurion. Jesus said, you're exactly right. I don't have to show up. Now, we're in Matthew chapter 8. And I don't know if you know this, but 9 comes after 8. Right? We all good with that? In Matthew chapter 9, we see all of these miracles. In each one of those cases, Jesus could have healed them by speaking a word. But they didn't believe that. They break through the roof and lower a man. Jesus said, you know, if you just would have found me on the street later and I just could have spoken. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I'll agree with your faith. A guy comes and says, Lord, my my daughter's dying. She's at the point of death. Run and help us and come to my house. And he said, I'll come. Jesus didn't look at him and say, you know, I could heal her standing right here without ever going to your house. He said, no, I'll agree with your faith. The lady touched the hem of his garment. He didn't turn to her and say, you know, you didn't have to touch me. I could have healed you differently. The point of the message is this, folks. God is working in our lives exactly like we believe he will. Or he's not working in our lives exactly like we believe he won't. And some of us are killing ourselves to get, make enough money, but we're not trusting God with our finances. Some of us are so desperate in our marriage, but are we really trusting God and doing it his way? We have relationships in our lives that are out of whack and we're, we're, we're so worried and and, and bitterness or forgiveness and, and lack of forgiveness or, or hurt built up, but are we trusting God with it? 
You, you want to make a difference for Christ, but you just don't believe you're a soul winner. And you're right. And you don't believe you can teach a class. And you're right. And you don't believe you can ever preach a sermon. And you're right. And you believe you're just a victim of your circumstances. And you're right. Or you could say, I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm a child of God. He controls my life. And you'd be right. And I can win people to Christ. And maybe I'm not as polished. And maybe I'm not as bold. But I can make a difference for Christ. And you'll be right. See how powerful this is? Satan gets us to believe these limiting beliefs. We build our own ceiling over our head. And we say, this is all I am. This is all I'm ever going to be. And God says, unfortunately, you're right. Unless you choose to believe me. And the challenge today is in every area of your life, measure your personal confidence in God and then say, Lord, I want to increase my faith in this area. I want to see you work in this area. And as you increase your faith, God will adjust his wisdom, power, working grace to be even with your faith. And God may not always do exactly what you want him to do. He's not a genie in a bottle. You don't get three wishes. But God has promised that he will work in your life and in your circumstances and even in the lives of others according to your faith. And so today, let's believe God. Amen. And let's trust God more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to trust you. Lord, doubt is so strong and Fear is so controlling. We doubt ourselves. At times we doubt you. But Lord, this powerful truth could be life-changing if we let it. And Lord, help us to believe you. Not just to believe in you, but to believe that you can, believe that you will, that you want to. And Lord, may we see an increase in your activity in Curtis Corner Baptist Church. May we see an increase of your supernatural activity in our lives. May we trust you like we've never trusted you before. May we see people saved. May we step forward by faith. May we step up in your ministry. May, may we give like you've directed us. May we uh, treat people like you've told us. Lord, just all the things in the scriptures, every area of our lives, if we'll choose to exercise faith, you'll exercise your power. And so help us to never forget this message. We do pray if there's anyone here today that's not sure they're saved, not sure they're going to heaven, that today would be the day they trust you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We want to take just a moment here at the end of the message. What did God speak to you about? Uh, is there a specific area of your life that God spoke to you where you're not trusting him, where you're doubting? Somebody's perhaps close to giving up. Somebody's worn out. Someone's discouraged that God isn't working. How could things get this bad? How, I thought things were going to be different. Oh, my friend, right now, would you ask God to increase your faith? Ask God to help you exercise faith that would please Him. The, the measure of faith is obedience. Faith is not some abstract thing that you just say, oh, I'm trusting God now. No, faith is I'm going to do what God told me to do. That's faith. And then God steps in and says, I'm going to start working.
you're here this morning, not sure you're saved, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. No one need go to hell when salvation is paid for and so freely available. We'd love to take a Bible and help you. Father, thank you for partnering with us as we talked about. You, you are God, you're sovereign, you're the master, but as we talked about recently, you want to partner with us in your work. And here this concept of faith is just one more area where we work in concert with you. And Lord, you're so amazing. Help us to trust you more. And help us to stop worrying about whether we have enough faith and just act on what we know to do. And we can see you begin working mightily. Pray you'd bless the offering. Dismiss us with thy provision, protection. Uh, bring us back safely tonight. We're looking forward to worshiping together. Uh, songs, testimonies, and, and hearing Brother Barnes preach. And so... Honor yourself in us, glorify yourself in us this week, we pray in Jesus' name.